0: Hello and welcome to this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lav. It is the final week of the PGA Tours regular season. The Wyndham Championship marks the final stop for players to try and make the FedEx Cup playoffs. That means Adam Scott, Joel Damon, Gary Woodland, Akshay Patia, Billy Horschel. You're all on the clock, but so incredibly is Justin Thomas. He enters the final week of the regular season, 79th in points needs no worse than an 18th place finish and some help in order to crack the top 70 wrecks. What's at stake for JT this week in Greensboro? It feels like a whole lot more than
1: just the FedEx Cup playoffs. It should. And we've talked a lot about this. I mean, this was the year either to have the year of your career or, or to at least make sure you crack the top 50 one way or the other, simply because there's so many unknowns going into next year's schedule. It's going to be Really, really fixated on those top 50 from this year's FedEx Cup points list. They're pretty much going to be able to write their schedule with all the designated events. And if you're outside of that bubble, you're going to need some love. You're either going to have to be inside the top 30 in the world ranking, which I guess in theory you could do. Or you're going to have to be able to play your way in to these designated events. Or you're going to have to get one of the four sponsor exemptions. So I think JT is probably going to fall on the ladder quite a bit. So I don't know if it's as crushing as maybe it, it might be for other players. Cause let's face it, JT's part of the friends and family. He's going to get the benefit of the doubt more times than not, not saying he shouldn't be. I mean, this isn't a knock at all. Those four sponsor exemptions are exactly what I said. They're for the sponsor to decide who gets them. And if I'm a sponsor, I'm going to be really, really high on the idea that, Oh, I can get JT too. Yeah, I'm going to do that. So I don't know if it's as crushing for some others. I think Adam Scott was the player I talked about last week because he likes to play a really, really specific schedule. He doesn't want to play more than 15 or 16 events. And so if he can't find a way to play his way into the playoffs and suddenly crack that top 50, I think his sort of life, at least professionally, changes a lot more than JT's. But it is important.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is such an anomaly for Justin Thomas when you look at the, the course of his career. I mean, he's typically booked his ticket to Eastlake by like no later than early March. Like almost every single year, he is, he is routinely among the top ten, even when he has a down year. Even in a down year, he still wins the Players' Championship. Or even a down year, he still wins the PGA Championship. And so, yeah, like he's if, – if he does not crack the top 70, obviously he would not crack the top 50. If he doesn't get in any of those other ways by either winning in the fall or getting sort of these mini swings that you're going to get um, in the early 2024, or even if he finishes among the top 30 – uh, in the world ranking at the end of this year, like he's still going to get one of those four spots. Now they are going to dry up quickly, right? Like it's, it's four spots. Let's say tiger wants to play Riviera. There goes another spot. JT gets a spot. Uh, maybe you have a hot shot college kid uh, who's absolutely tearing it up, that you want to give a spot to maybe it's a, it's a past champion who wouldn't already be there. Those four spots will dry up quickly. Uh, but Justin Thomas, if you're uh, one of his PG tour peers, uh, you're certainly not going to, uh, you're certainly going to be wishing him well, Trying to get in there. What are you? What are you holding up there? This is uh, this is a visual medium, and no one can see that.
1: Uh, it is a visual medium, and uh, I, I don't know how I could have printed it out, better. my printer prints out in pinking for some reason. But uh, what it is, and we can get back to the to the regular season and the points list and everything, because that's a very important conversation. But I was taken yesterday that you did some of the best work. I think you've done <laughs> all the maybe year- since. Maybe since you've been at Golf Channel, I would argue. An award winning writer. He has an Emmy. It's right behind him on the shelf. You can see it. He's clearly accomplished things in his career, but you can't see it. So I'm actually going to post it on Twitter just in case people want to go check it out. Uh, Or I'm sorry, post it on X. X. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's the way. Throw it up. Throw it up. X. X. Uh, And this is a list of, and and the subject line is Memphis Itinerary. And there's no jokes. There's no smiley faces. There's no emojis. There's no gifts whatsoever. This goes straight. Ain't nothing funny about barbecue, Rex. Ain't nothing funny about barbecue. And this goes straight to business. And I, I just, I don't want to, I'm not going to go through the entire list because we can do it next week when I'm actually in Memphis at the first playoff event. But you start on Tuesday, which by the way, I am getting there Tuesday. Germantown commissary. That, that's fine. Combo platter with brisket. All right. So you're going to hold my hand and walk me through it. Wednesday, cozy corner closes at 8 p.m. Because I think you're very cognizant of the idea that I do have a day job, that there's a yeah. reason while I'm actually in Memphis. And then barbecue Cornish hen, which I, that one threw me, uh, rib chips, not sure what that is either, brisket and barbecue spaghetti, all of that sounds delicious, you, and then you keep going Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday night, they place Gus's Fried Chicken, which I have gone to before, which is very good, uh, open till 10 p.m., which I appreciate that, because I will be working late on Sunday night. And then you did a, a OLI, what I call an OLI, you didn't know what that was. Uh, honorable no. Mention, Rendezvous, I probably won't be doing that, A&R, Hot Links, I might do that, and then pains, pains, chop pork sandwich. Yep. Mm. That's. Uh, but I, I did want to point that out. That's some of your best work. That, that, the reason, that's good the enough. reason why
0: I had to do this, because uh, you went to Memphis last year. After I did the uh, most epic boondoggle of all time in 2021, I gained eight pounds after oh going to Memphis for a week. Hit every single hot spot uh, that I wanted to go to. I don't think I had ribs again for like six months uh, after I went to Memphis. So I did it. I did it absolutely balls to wall it, two years ago last year. I'm not sure what you were thinking. You, I think you went to the commissary and then you had a couple, a couple like lazy nights. You got, you got sidetracked. No, we went to Gus's. No, uh, we That's and I
1: went to Gus's. The super, but it's a, Jeff. it's a, it's
0: a, it's a six day trip. You really have to maximize. I mean, trust me, Memphis in summertime, you're, you're going to want to you want to, you're going to want to go to these restaurants and then head back to your hotel. And so we, I, 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 went through painstaking detail in making this itinerary, trying to mix up the flow of meats. You don't want to have ribs, you know, three consecutive nights. So I tried to mix that. Uh, I was very cognizant, as you mentioned, of the hours of operation. Some of these places are so popular, they will sell out. Uh, and so I tried to, to, to make the ones that potentially could sell out early in the week when you would have earlier days. And then the Gus's fried chickens of the world uh, that are open until 10 or 11, uh, you're able to, to go on the weekend uh, when you have a little bit more of a, of a buffer, I, I'm actually shook. I, I I had this written out in an iPhone note. Like I shouldn't have had to go through my credit card statement. I shouldn't have had to go through through the hours. I have no idea. I'm looking at my iPhone notes now. I have like I, I've I've kept track of the gains I've made when I was working out. Offset smokers I'm targeting. What I'm trying to do for Christmas <laughs> Day.
1: The gains,
0: uh, lunch and dinner. Wait, how do you track um, your gains? I'm curious. Neighbors, how do you track your gains? Oh, obviously, obviously, you would use like a you use like a little ruler, like a little bendable ruler. You you put it on your chest, you put it on your arms. Oh, so you're not your doing legs.
1: like more reps, more weight? Like you're no, actually no, no. physical measuring physical your, your gains. body. Yes. Oh man. All
0: Hashtag right. G-A-N-G-I-A-G-I-I-N-Z. gains. Yep, very good. But like I have everything. On. I have my neighbors' names when I first moved in, so I don't forget them. But somehow. I have lost somehow I have lost my Memphis itinerary, and so I'd, um, I had no problem going through it yesterday for an hour. Uh, it was a good exercise for me. I'm certainly going to be putting put Memphis back uh, on my to-do list or to cover list, I guess it would be, uh, over the next couple of years. Uh, how, how, how steadfast do you think you will be
1: in, in following this? Uh, I don't think I'm going to do every night, but I'll, I'll knock off more nights this time around. Like, uh, And again, Germantown Commissary, that one's pretty easy. That's close to the hotel. That's that's coming from the golf course. I think all, all of the crew that will be with us, I think uh, Todd will be with us. Andrew will be there. So we'll all jump in on that one. I'm probably not going to hit all six, which is going to disappoint you, and you can lecture me about that next week. But uh, I'll, I'll get to most of them. I appreciate your hard work. I'm not going to let it go for nothing. Barbecue shop, must hit. Cozy corner, uh, must hit.
0: Commissary... Must hit. Well, Those that
1: one's easy. And to, I did Gus's last year. So, yes, I'll do better this year than I did last year because I know how disappointed you are. But to get back to uh, what really matters, and I do find it interesting if you look at last week and this week's tour event, and I have spoken with the tournament director at the Wyndham Championship, Mark Brazzle, about this. He has effectively become a de facto playoff event because of what you end up with. This might be, we haven't seen the world rankings yet for the projections for this week's, but this might be the best field he's gotten in a decade because of those things that we just talked about how important it is to not just make it into the playoffs but you actually want to give yourself some sort of cushion so you can crack that top 50 because next year that's going to be a huge deciding factor uh and yes i think it goes back to the point that i've i've been making for years now and it's finally kind of coming to
0: fruition the fact that fewer cards means more drama which means a better product like i think 125 pj tour mm-hmm. cards is too many and so now having the top 70 cut off for the playoffs is is a good move i don't know what the right number of pj tour members is rex i think 70 is probably too few if you're looking at literally card cold card holding pj tour players i think well it's not 70 is too it's many it's still
1: 125 but the way they've they've structured the system for yeah for
0: yeah for, for playoff for playoff purposes cutting that top 70 and so like if you did not have if you had a a decent but not good or great season, like you're, you're not going to make it. And you look at the players who are outside the top 70 right now, you look at the number of top 10 finishes they have had, like by and large, almost across the board, it is one, two, or three top 10 finishes throughout the PGA Tour season, playing twenty, anywhere from 25 to, to 28 times, right? Like as, as just a general rule of thumb. That's not great. That's not great playing, and those players should not be rewarded for what is basically a mediocre campaign. And so I like this move by the PGA tour to get to the top 70. I think it makes the final few weeks of the regular season better. I think it's more interesting when you have kind of these big name, high profile players, whether it's a JT, Billy Horschel, Gary Woodland, uh, trying to, to get into the playoffs. Now I still would like to see the number of card members reduced. I, 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 I like, I like having jeopardy. I like having vulnerability I like having churn. I think that's one of the more uh, intriguing aspects of, of team
1: sports, and I think the PGA Tour would, would do well to adopt that. That'd be a good drinking game where churn as many times as we sort of regurgitated that earlier in the season. Drink up, everybody. Um, I would say 125 I'm still good with because I like the way we, I'm with you. I like the way this is playing out going into the playoffs, that you have some high-profile names. And, and I think both of us kind of predicted the idea of just looking historically at the list. The top 70 is a whole different threshold. Like, you're right. You can finish inside the top 125 and have what most players would consider a mediocre season. Finishing inside, inside, inside the top 70, it actually takes some work. You, you've got to have at least one decent run some during some portion of the season. I am curious to see. Like, I, I'm post-playoffs at this point. I, I want to see how that 125 plays out over the fall and i don't know if it's going to make the fall better or worse but i think the drama at least like i'll I'll be at rsm classic as i always am because it's the fifth major but now suddenly you start thinking it through and there will be something at the rsm classic for at least your, your passionate golf fans to pay attention to that somebody with a name someone you're familiar with someone you've heard of will be playing for their playing privileges the next year that to me is interesting just like this week is interesting the tour is still not exactly
0: outlined how this is going to work. We don't no. know like what number players are going to be secure for next season and their and their playing privileges. Is it, is it the top 80 guys essentially have a card? Is it the top 95 players? Like we don't know what that bottom is for the guys who are actually playing for it. So if like JT finishes, well, he's a bad example because he's, he's exempt. So let's, let's throw like Justin. Sa. Uh, uh, you and I are familiar with Justin says game two top 10 finishes this year. He's 77th in the point standings. Does he need to play four times in the fall to make sure he maintains that position? If he doesn't play at all, how far is he going to drop? What does that mean for his priority ranking? Could he lose it altogether? Does he not need to play at all? Like the, I think the tour has done a poor job of, of outlining exactly what the fall means for these guys.
1: Uh, The tour is probably really busy right now with other stuff, but I do do kind of agree with you. (laughs) They might be preoccupied right now with other things. I don't know if we're going to talk about those on this podcast. But uh, to your point, I remember before the world changed, it seemed like in the middle of the summer, that 92 was sort of the magic number. So let's say Justin finishes 92nd, which he won't. But let's say he does. That's sort of the cutoff of where they felt mathematically this player would possibly drop out of the top 125 if they either one don't play at all in the fall or do if they do play in the fall and don't do anything let's say they play five times and miss five cuts they might as well have not played so anything from 92 inward so if you're 70th or 71st or you just didn't finish outside the playoffs i think that person will still easily maintain their tour card like they're not going to fall outside the top 125 where it will be complicated is the events they get into like now, all of a sudden, you're starting to look at the priority list, which is sort of that inside baseball thing that you and I will talk about from time to time where some of these events are very, very important because of what they do and what they don't do. No, by all means, walk in in the middle. Nope. There he is. Yeah. Good. Good seeing you. My middle son grabbing my putter. Thanks. <laughs> right in the middle of the podcast. Didn't even stop. Looked at me and just kept coming good stuff there's a sign on the door that said do not enter live that said, <laughs> says yeah, live.
0: says says recording and just well, illuminated man. illuminated on the come sign on in uh sure.
1: but no I, I think that will be interesting because we're sort of seeing a microcosm of that right now we're seeing jt play what is this five weeks for, for, in a row for him four weeks in a row something along those lines he Scottish, played Scottish,
0: british Oak, 3m windham four in a row potentially it be four in a row five or six does. he does keeps it rolling yeah
1: and it shows you how important it is. I mean, a player of that caliber, as we just addressed, like, okay, he's having a bad season, but he's also going to be taken care of at least next year, at least in the short term. And yet, he has still decided that, man, I still have to do something about this. And I, I think it's funny that. In, in this goes back. I, I forget what year he did it, where he held up his phone and he had like all of the, all of his, uh, uh, all of his, his goals uh, uh, goals for the year. How many do you think he, those are still on there? Or do you think he's completely just thrown that phone into the ocean? Like, a lot of Alexis. A lot, yeah, of, a lot right. of X's
0: did not accomplish this year. Uh, JT can, although, I mean, with a win this year, uh, he's back exactly where he wants to be, uh, rocketing up the standings, booketed for Eastlake, and et cetera. I think fewer tour cars, more churn, less emphasis on the past champion status, sure. new blood, consequences for a down year. All those are good moves for the PG tour. Rex, you did mention the memo that was leaked last week by Commissioner Jay Monahan, which said a couple of things. I think most newsworthy... Is the fact that tour is going to be against the proposed rollback not a huge surprise? Of course, given uh, players' endorsement potential and the need for Jay Monahan to secure to secure a win of any sort uh, among his constituents, but they also said uh, two things: they're they're making basically committees of committees to look into a player benefit program, which would essentially make players uh, whole for staying loyal to the PGA Tour, as well as a player discipline discipline program that would outline the pathway back for live players now that caught the eye of phil mickelson who popped off on twitter for the first time in a couple of weeks after his poor performance at the open championship and said that the player discipline program would be a quote colossal waste of time and that no live player wants to come back
1: do you see any truth in that rex no, I mean, just last week at the Open Championship, I think Patrick Reed sort of talked about this, that he is one, probably one of the few players that would gladly play not just li- a full-time live schedule but a f- full-time PGA Tour schedule. He also talked about keeping his card on the DP World Tour. I mean, this guy wants to play 30, 35 uh, events a year. I thought he wanted to be home with his family. Uh, well, we can that, that's a whole different conversation. I, I think what I'm uh, – and, and probably litigious one, so I'm going to go ahead and steer clear of that one. Hmm, please keep me out of that. Keep, keep my name out of your mouth on that one. Um. I'm going to say, and, and I think I've said this before, I don't like my ally when it comes to Phil, simply because I don't, I don't feel like he's going to be on the right side of history. As, as much as we try in the media to point out that, oh, a lot of the things that have happened on the PGA Tour over the last two years, Phil has been pushing for this for the last five years or 10 years or whatever the case may be. And, and a lot of this is 100% true. My fear with Phil is he's doing it, out of, he's doing it from a very, very selfish place. Yes, and, and he's 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 become one of the most duplicitous characters in yes. the history of golf. Why are we taking this guy at face value? Uh, to his point on this particular front, I kind of see where he's coming from. And I was reading something a, a colleague of ours was writing about it, and there was some confusion in that tweet because Phil sort of went inside baseball. So he refers to something called Clout Media, which, and I think this other colleague thought that oh. He, he was referring to sort of legacy media or golf media, whatever the case may be. Clout Media is actually a company. It's an opposition research company that the PGA Tour hired and paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe millions of dollars to do oppo research on not just Live Golf but the players who joined Live Golf, and of course the public investment fund. I know that just from the lawsuits that it went through. Very, very serious firm. And you don't want to mess around with them. And some of the things that came out in Discovery were very, very nasty. So what Phil is referring to here is that the PGA Tour spent a lot of money to bad mouth, not just Phil, but a lot of the players, most of the players who went to live golf. So I would argue, even if you're, and, and I always go to this as the example, you're Dustin Johnson. You have kept your mouth shut. You took your money. You resigned your membership. You didn't join the lawsuit. Like you tried to make this as peaceful of a split as you could possibly come up with. Even if you're Dustin Johnson, there is the looming idea of, this is what the tour did to me. They came after me with money that I helped them earn. And I, I've got it from the other side. I understand that the players who stayed loyal to the PGA Tour and the distrust and the anger they had to, towards the players who joined Liv Golf and then sued them, I, I got that. And this goes the other way now, that the PGA Tour spent a lot of money to put, throw a lot of shade on the likes of Phil Mickelson. Maybe justifiably so. Again, don't like Macaulay, I mean, my ally here. But maybe if you're Lou Eustazen, if you're Dustin Johnson, I, I think there's some bad feelings there. And this shows exactly how difficult this process is going to be. Where have we seen that
0: Oppo research like even surface? There hasn't been there hasn't been commercials bad mouthing Phil DJ Brooks Bryson mm-hmm. and the like. There hasn't been any reports to the media that, 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 that have time. been trickled out. I mean, I, I think by and large, those of us in the content business are making our own decisions. We have our own biases. We have our own assumptions. We have our own feelings about the players who defected for live, either because of our own personal beliefs or what the players have literally said. Like Patrick Reed literally said. That he wants to play less golf and going to live. Now we have ample evidence to suggest that that is not necessarily true. Dustin Johnson gave his reasons. Brooks Koepka gave his reasons. Like you can criticize those all you want, but I haven't seen like where where has this
1: hundreds of thousands of dollars, this millions of dollars in Apple research? Where is that? Even, where has it even appeared? So one of the things that did come out in Discovery, and again, this is this. This is such a slippery slope because I do not want to get a subpoena on this one. So one of the things that came out in discovery was the idea that this firm, Clout Media, and again, it's a it's a Washington firm. It's very well known for the opposition research that they did. The idea is, is that all of the 9-11 families who protested go back to last year's live event in Portland, for example, and probably the one in New Jersey as well. The protests, uh, all of the media that was driven around that. The idea is that the PGA Tour essentially funneled money through clout media and clout media paid for these people to go and do these protests and do these rallies. And that that's what this was about. Did they go out and name Phil Mickelson as a bad person or someone who was on the wrong side of history, whatever the case may be? No, they did it in a much more subtle way. But again, this goes back to the idea. I've gotten the same answer from a lot of live players and, but it's a lot of live players of a certain age. Let's say like, if you're Phil Mickelson, why would you ever, want to come back to the PGA tour. Number one, you're clearly angry. You're, you clearly don't like what they did to you, at least what you, in your perceived you, idea. You're also going to be a
0: pariah. You're, you're going to you're be a pariah in the locker room.
1: You're 50 plus years old. It's not as though you're just going to land back on the PGA tour and suddenly everything's going to be okay. And you're going to start playing your same schedule again. And there are others in that category. Lee Westwood is probably another example of why I come back. Why pay, if there's going to be some sort of penalty, which you would imagine there was for those, there will be for those players who come back, why sit out? Why serve some sort of, I don't know, suspension, which is another conversation. It makes no sense. You've gotten paid. You clearly got a lot of money for joining live golf. You probably enjoy your lifestyle right now. It makes no sense to them. Now Taylor Gooch probably has a different idea. So I don't think Phil's speaking for the collective, but he's certainly speaking for himself.
0: And I think it's also important to point out too, Rex, like, that has been the public narrative. Like these guys are not openly saying, yeah, I wish I could come back to the PGA tour. Like they're not reckless enough to, 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 to hit out publicly against the league that has given them seven, eight, nine figure signing bonuses to essentially play non OWGR sanctioned events. Like it's, it's a pretty uh, sweet gravy train that they've, that they've hopped aboard. Now Brooks Kepka to DeChambeau, they've said there's events on the PJ Tour that they miss. Uh, I think there's probably dozens of live players who feel the same way. Whether they're actually willing to go through the reapplication process for membership, serving any penalties, uh, serving any punishments that the Tour doles out, uh, I think is an entirely different matter. What the, the, the part that Phil, though, appears to be missing to me is that this all hinges on the future of live golf. If if Lib folds, the players are going to have no choice but to reintegrate themselves in the tour landscape. Otherwise, they're just going to be disappearing into the competitive abyss. Now, would there be as harsh of a penalty, perhaps, if if Lib folds? I think that kind of remains to be seen. But if these guys, particularly those who are in their 20s, like early 20s, I think of Joaquin Neiman is a perfect example. He has a lot of runway ahead of him competitively he could play for another 20 years he would have no choice to yeah. put to play on the pga tour is he happy right now on live playing with his teammates yes making a lot of money yes I'm, I'm sure he is uh but i also think um if 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 given the choice i think he would jump back to the pga tour and see just how good he can get competitively as well
1: yeah, I think it depends on how this plays out. And there's still so many uncertainties. You pointed out, you, like it's funny, a lot of people went to the MLR and the, the PGA Tour statement against the proposed rule uh, on rolling back the golf ball. Of course they were. I haven't spoken with one Tour player who was for that rule. Maybe Rory would be the only one, and even that seemed lukewarm at best. So, of course, like the Tour's not going against the players on this one. They've got enough issues, as we just addressed. So that one that one was the easy one. The, probably the two that stood out to me was one, the J- Jason Gore, Promotion And and I'll give him credit like that's inspired for two reasons. One, everyone likes Jason. So it's going to be kind of hard for everybody to yell at him. He's going to get yelled at, as I talked to him in Scotland about like that's just going to be kind of part of the job is the go between between essentially the PGA Tour, the commissioner and the players, which there is a tremendous amount of distrust now. The other part is, is everyone likes and trusts Jason. So that makes 100 percent sense. The part that I don't understand is that Jay Monahan, the commissioner, seems to be inching further and further back. Both these committees that you just talked about, the one that essentially would reintegrate players back onto the PGA tour and the one that would make the players who stayed whole, both those committees are made up of Jason Gore, Andy pastors, who's the chief competitions officer and another member of the PGA tour staff at what point. And again, the commissioner is going to be at the Wyndham championship this week. There's going to be a player meeting next week. At what point does he stand back up in front of the public? And I, you know, I, I hope nothing but the best for him in the medical situation that he went through. But he is paid a lot of money to be the face and the voice of the PGA Tour. And it's been an alarming amount of time since he was either one of those things.
0: I, I certainly see that, and, and that's worth that's worth pointing out. I, I do think he's also, though, putting the power back in the players' hands. He's, he's responding to criticism. Patrick Cantley has been one of the most vocal – Uh, kind of antagonist in this whole deal over the past couple of months. And now he is in charge of of finding the Randall Stevenson's replacement on the board among a couple other committee members. Uh, There's, you know, you're putting players on this player discipline route to kind of determine what the path back he's the the players were, were so critical that they had been left out of this secretive deal. I, I think it's, I think it's his move to, to satiate them and say, Hey, you've got to say, this is your tour kind of do with this what you want I th- I th- quite frankly i think Monaghan's just he's 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 delegating and and focusing instead on the framework agreement and try to make that a definitive agreement this whole thing falls apart if he can't get this done get this done in the next five months
1: i, I keep repeating this I, I get that you're right there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes and and i would imagine we're going to start hearing more and more things over the next weeks and months however he's paid to be the meat shield like that's his job I mean, Roger Goodell was paid to be the meat shield for the NFL owners, and that's why he had to stand in front of Congress and get yelled at. That's why he's got to stand in front of the players and get yelled at. And Jay Monahan has been MIA when it comes to that job. I I know what you're saying. You're right. And, again, Jason Gore was an inspired choice, and he's probably a really, really good choice to put on both of those committees because he can see it from both sides. However, like Jay's got to be the guy. He's got to be the guy that stands in front of all of the players, whether if you're first on the money list or if you're 151st. On the money list because there's a lot he has to answer for.
0: Who he's at the Wyndham Championship player meeting next week in Memphis. As
1: you would I do want to assume he would he would address the media at East Lake during the Tour Championship as he typically does. Uh, I think I'll probably address the media actually in, in Memphis next week, but we'll see. And then with the, there was a nine point memo. So of all the things that stood out to me, uh, again, the Jason Gore one, the MLR comment uh, as far as not being supportive of the rollback of the golf ball, and then there was a special advisor. Hold on,
0: hold on. This. So so the tour so the tour is not supportive of the rollback. You and I were not surprised by that. To, their hands are still tied here, Rex. Because how so? At least three of the four major championships are going to adopt this rule. Obviously the the RNA and the USJ, yeah. this is their rule. They're going to use it for the US Open and Open Championship respectively. Uh, the Masters has been pushing, Augusta National has been pushing for uh, a crackdown on distance for years if not decades, at this point. Uh, and, and Chairman Fred Ridley said he would be supportive of this as well. The PGA Championship, I really think, is going to just have no choice but to go along with the other four major championships. So are you telling me that 48 that. weeks out of the year, you're going to have a different ball in play, and then the four the four weeks a year, that, that that matter most? The tournaments that the players covet the most, that defines legacies, they're going to be using an entirely different ball?
1: I, I don't see it. I don't see it at all uh, the tour's hands here, and it's just kind of posturing publicly. To read directly from the memo, and this stood out to me. I had to go back a couple of times. Quote, we are not able to support the MLR as proposed. So that means that what the tour is probably angling to do right here is to have more conversations about exactly how this would impact players. Because you're right. It creates, at the very least, an awkward conversation. It creates a distraction, which we all know that – the commissioner and the tour do not like it creates a scenario where you're having players having to make a just a dumb choice of do I really play just four weeks out of the year a different ball than what I would play the other forty four no weeks out of the year. No change in the
0: tournaments that yeah. matter most. Th- in the is... tournaments
1: that matter most. And and again this this filters all the way down. I, I, I actually did Michael Breed's show the day this came out. And then Michael has very, very clear thoughts on this. But when once you start sort of drilling down to I mean you're a pretty good player. So you're probably going to play in a club championship, and where's the cutoff? I, I'm not going to play a rolled back golf ball. I'm like, not going to do it. Like I, I have a hard enough time hitting the ball out of my shadow, so just not going to do it. But are you, are you going even, to do, are you, even, even with those new Titleist irons? Who could be sure? I served? am crushing the four iron. I cannot can tell save. you how much I love that thing. Um, but are you going to do it? Is Andrew Bradley, who's our producer and a really good player, and plays in the Florida State Amateur quite a bit, is he going to have to get his hands on some rollback back golf balls and start? testing new drivers with it and practicing with it and seeing how it feels like it's such a, a wild rabbit hole. And I keep going back to the idea that maybe something has to be done. And that's what Martin slumber says. And he was certainly echoing. action uh, is not an option. Yes. I Wan get that. Slumbers. Maybe something has to be done. Nothing has to be done right now. Like where we're, it's uh, not, where we're at. It's not. It's 2026. Where we're at the game right now. Away. Doesn't require. Well, where we're at in the game right now does not require this kind of, movement like we can we can look at the landscape you think it's not happening right now it's happening in three years well but i mean if we decide this you're right it happens in three years i don't think the game needs this kind of disruption right now there's enough things inside the game at this level at the highest level to be worried about to be to to to, to cause disruption about but you're right it creates i mean it just unravels once you pull the one thread of yeah the tour is not going to do it well it sounds very simple and again the commissioner was doing what his players told him to, but man, it, it just, it's such a dark, dark road to go down. Are you saying there's
0: only room for one existential crisis uh, in yes. golf at the moment? Not, not two. Uh I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. Uh, I think some of the shot value on the PGA tour has been reduced. There is zero evidence that entertainment on the PGA tour is directly tied to distance. I'm not sure why they've equated that. It's, it's kind of like this antiquated notion of chicks dig long ball, like, Everyone, everyone hits it long right now. Like, what's the difference between a 350-yard drive and a 325-yard drive? Absolutely nothing. What makes golf exciting are recovery shots, close iron shots, and clutch putting. That is what makes golf exciting. In fact, I think driving has become one of the most boring aspects of of PGA Tour golf. I would much rather see a a Jordan Spieth than a Cameron Champ. Like, that's I, I I I cannot be in the minority opinion on that so i'm fine because of the time distance uh, the time that it's going to take implementation january 1 2026 i'm fine because i think some of the shot value has been reduced on the pga tour i would actually be in favor if the pga tour is really pushing against this just make it a blanket rollback Uh, that's that's easy that's 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 where you'd be getting away from kind of this where's the cutoff is it elite college play is it is it the US amateur is it the NCAA nope, championship no nope.
1: now you're touching mine nope nope nope, nope. you don't like, sw- I, you don't swing
0: this. hard enough you do not swing hard enough to make it
1: to make a substantial difference i've heard and i'm glad you have an opinion on it cuz i I'm, I'm struggling with it cuz i've heard really really good arguments from both sides from educated people on on both sides people who have spent a lot of time studying this and exactly how it would impact Not just the game at the elite level, but all the way down. And the one thing that I will say that both sides seem to reach a consensus on is let's don't let this trickle down to the amateur level. And you mentioned, and and I I will push back on this particular one thing you said, that the PGA Championship would follow suit of the other three major championships. I don't know if that's true. Again, this is a member organization, and their members, teaching professionals, club pros, and the like they're not going to like this either for the reasons I just pointed out. So I'm not hundred percent sure why you think that would be the panacea that would fix everything. I mean, Seth Watt was definitely the, the,
0: the least supportive of the four major championship organizations when he met with the press and answered that very question. I think if he wants to keep the major, if he wants to keep his PGA championship aligned and he clearly has a high opinion of what the PGA represents in the broader golf landscape, I don't think he has any choice but to fall in line with the rollback and make it a pure and true competition, which is what the USJ and RNA are proposing with, with their rollback. I, I, I see what you mean, Rex, that the trickling down to the amateur level is, is dangerous. Just move up a tee. Like every golf course you play has five T's. You should, you should not be playing the, the second tee or the one like closest to the tips, like move up a tee. You're 56 years old.
1: Uh, if you hit, I, I'm not hit playing one second. Trust me, I'm not doing that anyway. I don't know who you've been playing with. Do you think that's what I do? You think I march back to the tips? No, you're like, mistaken me for someone else. If
0: you have a 240 yard drive and that's your max drive, you would now be hitting at 230. Who cares? That's one I club.
1: I do, I, and I think Why? like on this one, you're on this one, you. You're it's so much wrong. easier. Like it's so much easier if it's like, just across the board. Like listen, listen to what both sides have said. The one thing they don't want is to touch the amateur game. So they're trying to figure out – It's this is all about elite players. This has been sort of the quote-unquote fixation for years now. So they don't want to touch what I do. They don't want to touch what you do for a good reason because we're at a point in the game right now after COVID where you're trying to maintain that growth that we all enjoyed during the pandemic. If you suddenly give a roadblock, if you give them a reason not to want to play golf, that's bad for the game. So I think everybody involved agrees we're not going to do that.
0: But one of the most idealistic aspect, aspects of the game is that I can play the exact same
1: equipment as Roy McIlroy and see how I, I stand up. You keep saying that I don't. Like, trust me. I mean, I, you're not going to play the exact same equipment as Rory. But we're probably in the minority because we're
0: so close to the game. But if you if you talk to family members, like, oh, Rory's playing that driver, I, I should I should give I should give that a work. Rory's got the TaylorMade ball. I should go play that one. Spee's playing the Telstarns. I wonder if I can hit those ones. Like, that's that's part of the appeal. The broader appeal of golf is that there is not a separate set of rules for the elite professional and the amateur golfer. And so where it's going to get muddy where they're having this bifurcation is where do you where do you draw the line? Is it elite amateur competition? Is it club championships? Whatever. And so just get rid of it. Just just have a blanket rollback. It would be it would be, I think, short term pain for long term gain. And we won't even think about it in five years time. Like it's just it would just be accepted that you're gonna hit your driver eight yards shorter. It's not that big a deal. It really isn't. To to main uh, to maintain kind of the purity of the competition and make the PJ tour more interesting. You should uh, you should do a column on that. I'd like to see how that would play out. Uh, yeah, that would definitely
1: get me ratioed uh, on the social
0: streets. Rex, what's on the grill this week?
1: Uh well, I'll go back to what was on the grill last week, and you and I both did an experiment and it didn't turn out well. I think they were no. called Big Mac tacos, is that what Big they Big Mac calling? tacos,
0: yep. Well, you basically do a tortilla mm-hmm. shell, uh, a smash burger on the tortilla shell, uh, season it up, cook it on the Blackstone uh, yep. flat top, whatever That's you cool. may have, and then you whip up basically like a thousand, aisle, thousand, thousand island dressing, which yeah. is why like what which a Big was, Mac has.
1: Which was really good, by the way. I actually like the, dressing the was sauce. Was, the, the sauce was the only thing I liked. So that did not go well for anyone who was here for a lot of different reasons. We had a friend that came over. Look, this was so bad. I, I couldn't apologize enough. And she doesn't eat meat. She's a vegan. So she had brought like a, a vegetable. That's patty. Or, well, uh, no, no, it's not like I can't even blame it on her because uh, she's so sweet. I love her to death. And like I cooked her, like hers was fine. And I accidentally gave her the wrong one. And you have oh, no. no idea. She oh, She yeah. broke out in hives. Uh, No, no. She was really cool about it. Uh, Bunk mate was not so cool about it. Like she was glaring at me all night to the point that I kept asking my friend. Is she still staring at me? Yep, she's still staring. She's I mean angry.
0: vegan vegans can have it like nothing nothing bad happens. Their, their throat doesn't close up. Their femur doesn't snap in half. Like they'll they'll be okay they'll be okay. They but I, just I felt not so bad. To.
1: Uh yes, but I, I so I felt terrible. And uh and it trust me, the the, the vegetable patty was no better than the, the actual meat when it came to this. So last night I did steak. And since we, we don't have a sponsor for the podcast, hashtag please give us a sponsor for Sales the podcast. Team, where yeah. And and we really want a grilling sponsor. I've decided I at the end of every podcast, I, I'm going to do a visual medium and just point out something that I have somewhere around my uh, outdoor kitchen that I like. So this is actually a buddy of mine's, uh, I think I've showed you this before. So oh, his, sure. name is, his name is David Havens and he did this like a coffee rub for steak. And I did, uh, we did steak last night on the, um, is that an expletive on the pit, on the pit barrel? We're going to have to uh, censor this. Uh, it is not.
0: Is it? Oh, it certainly says F, yeah. Oh, yeah, it did, yeah. No we're doubt about it. We're going to have to censure that.
1: Yeah, we're going to have to clip that one. Anyway, that it's post. it's so good. Please, <laughs> yes, please put that in post. But it's so good. I used it last night uh, on, on the pit barrel, and then I used the Blackstone for uh, just like whatever I had in the refrigerator, which is the best part of the Blackstone. Like It was just chopped up potatoes and onions and some vegetables and all kinds of stuff. I feel like you have to be careful with coffee, Rub, do you not? Because it can, it can burn real quick. Um, well, that's why I did use the pit barrel because it's not a high heat.
0: Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, like if you're if you're doing a thick doing a thick cut, throw the coffee rub on there, keep it away from the heat source. Uh, you should be perfectly okay. I've gotten to the point now where I just use salt on my steaks. I'll do a little dry brine beforehand, make sure the salt's penetrating all the way through the steak. So, so basically, season it three to four hours ahead of time. Put it on a rack in your fridge. By the time you pull it out, you should see no salt on there, but it's all absorbed. It's probably going to turn a little bit different color. And then at that point, sprinkle some pepper on there, sear it, and you're good to go. And you have salt penetration, not just on the top crust, but all the way through the meat. That's how I like to do uh, my steaks. Uh, I will not have anything on the grill, sadly, over the next couple of days. We're going to Banff, Lake Louise for a family vacation. Uh, I'm not sure what type of food they're known for in Calgary, I would assume seafood. I would think that would be fresh. Uh, Perhaps some bison, uh, I think, could be delicious. But you're right. Uh, If the folks at home have tried these viral Big Mac tacos, be curious your thoughts. I thought it was just pointless to have it in a tortilla shell. When everyone knows that smash burgers are delicious, the burgers absorb some of the uh, mm-hmm. Rendered fat and juices so much better than tortilla shell can. I just found it. It was pooling. It was really difficult. I found to get like the correct pliability of the
1: tortilla shell. You need to cook it through without having it uh, crunchy. I overcooked mine. And burned. I think that was the problem with mine. Mine, I I, I had to kind of overcook mine to make sure that they were done, and you know, it just didn't turn out. Yeah,
0: because well. you still have to cook through the burger. And so I thought it was. I thought it was pointless. Not every internet fad is worth trying. Uh, we learned our lesson the hard way, and then on Sunday, uh, I think I sent you a Snappy Chat. Did a delicious pulled pork. My buddy Ricky, uh, you met Ricky, floppy-haired fella, uh, f- fantastic cook. He says come over for ribs on today. So I literally, being the most literal person in America, I thought, yeah, we're just going to have ribs, and so I whipped up a pulled pork. I had one in the in the. Uh, in the fridge, came over there. There had to have been eight sides. There was chicken, there was ribs, there was mac and cheese, there were hash browns, there were drinks. Like it, it had to have been $300 worth of food for just having ribs. Uh, and so it makes me very excited for football season because Ricky can can whip it up with the best of, them. Uh, best of luck to him and his consecutive member guests this week. <laughs> All right. Another plug for the sponsor, literally any grill sponsor, Anybody, and the alcohol, spots. anyone? Literally, we'll take anybody. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, that's gonna do it for this edition, of the Golf Channel podcast with Rex and Lab. Make sure you check out our hit on Golf Today on Wednesday. We'll be giving our favorite moments from the PGA Tour's regular season. We'll be back next week. Rex will be live in Memphis. Who knows? By that point, if he'll already uh, indulged in a barbecue, or whether he's going to be following my itinerary to a for tea? This. That's gonna do it for this edition. Talk to you next week. Rex live in Memphis, one of the barbecue capitals
1: of the country. Shout out to Bunkmate Lab. Hope you're okay.